Good morning, all. Welcome, welcome. My name is Brad Kendall. I'm the lead pastor here. If you call Faith Covenant Church home, we're grateful that you're here and investigating and growing in Christ. If you are a visitor, we're grateful that you're here. You're investigating the claims of Christ. Why don't we uh, stop and pray before we go any further? Let's pray. Holy God, we are grateful for the opportunity to come before you today, and we want to hear from you. Lord, it is our desire, everyone, everyone here, Lord, we all would like to become more in love with you and more in love with each other. We know that is your design for your creation. That is your purpose for our lives. We pray, Holy God, that you would use this time, our time together with each other and our time together with you, we pray that you would take all of this, Lord, and conform us to the likeness of Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Uh, I, I would like to do Q&A today, so uh, I, I'm calling a bit of an audible with my team. Uh, we didn't do Q&A in the first service, and then I thought just now, you know, I'd like to do Q&A. So we're going to do Q&A, and Tone's going to help me. She's waving at me saying, I will help you do that. All right, so that'll be very good. Uh, so if you'd like to uh, text a question uh, to me regarding the message this morning, you can text it to that number, or you can write out a question in your Ask Pastor Brad card in your seat pocket in front of you. It is Palm Sunday, of course. Here's an appropriate question for Palm Sunday. What makes you stand up and cheer? What makes you stand up and cheer? What would it take to make you stand up, jump up and down, go nuts, scream at the top of your lungs? You know what it is for me? It's embarrassing. I'm going to admit it. Uh, my kids roll their eyes when I talk about it. It's not necessarily something a grown man should be obsessed with, but I have jumped up and down and I have screamed at the top of my lungs for this guy. Yep. Bono. I know, it's embarrassing. If you brought a friend, I'm sorry that I've embarrassed you and your friend. Uh, I am fully aware that uh, people either love Bono or they can't stand him. Uh, I'm fully aware that some of you may not even know who Bono is, and that is shameful. Uh, just kidding. Uh, just if you don't know who he is, he was, uh, he was nominated along with Bill and Melinda Gates once as Time Person of the Year. Actually, he was uh, Time Person of the Year. He's uh, been nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize twice. He has championed the cause of debt relief and AIDS relief all over the world. Uh, he's not only on a first name basis with Mick Jagger and Jay-Z, but he hangs out with pastors, popes, and presidents. And he just happens to be the lead singer of a somewhat prominent garage band called U2. I've actually gone to ridiculous lengths to see U2 in person. Uh, if you've ever seen the video to a song called Where the Streets Have No Name, uh, that took place on a rooftop in Los Angeles. I was going to college in the Los Angeles area, and a friend that morning of that day of its shooting uh, said, I saw in the paper you two shooting a video in downtown Los Angeles. Would you like to skip all your classes today and, and go see them? And I said, absolutely. And so we uh, drove to downtown Los Angeles, and we were one hour late. <clears throat> so close. Uh, I have actually camped out on a sidewalk in front of a warehouse records. 
Uh, some of you remember records, they're about that big. Um, this was before that you could order a ticket online, and you actually had to stand in line for a ticket. So I, I slept on a sidewalk all night uh, with about 100 other people uh, who had no real life, uh, and we sang together uh, U2 songs into the evening. It was a beautiful thing. Uh, I've seen U2 uh, 13 times. It's a beautiful thing, a U2 concert. You're there with like-minded people. Everyone is there for the same purpose. Everyone has hands in the air singing, we're one, but we're not the same. We've got to carry each other, carry each other, one. <laughs> and I've noticed something. Uh, every time I've seen U2 in concert, the same thing happens after the concert. I go home and go to bed every time, and they continue on, and my life really doesn't change a whole lot. I mean, I like them, they've, they've encouraged me to get involved in certain things, and I appreciate that, but my life is not dramatically changed. Their life is a little better off because I have spent a certain amount of money, and I've given it to them <laughs> for, for the U2 experience, and I appreciate that, and I admire them, and I admire what they've done, done in the world, but my life isn't dramatically changed. And this is something I found out. Most things we cheer for don't really demand anything of us. True? I mean, think about the Vikings. Thinking, uh, think about the Twins. Think about the Packers. Whatever you cheer. What, maybe you're going to the Guthrie, and at the end of, of the performance, you stand up and cheer. Or maybe you go to see the Minnesota Orchestra, and after, at the end of that night, you stand up and cheer. And those things are great, but they don't really demand a whole lot of us. What makes you stand up and cheer? And does that thing really ask anything of you? What I'd like to do, uh, I've told you one story, I'd like to tell you three more. They're not about, these three stories are not going to be concerts, they're going to be parades. I'd like to tell the story of three parades. The first parade uh, involves a parade that happened in Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago. Jerusalem, the heart of Judaism, the birthplace of Christianity, at that particular time was an occupied city. A foreign invader had come and had conquered the Jewish people, inhabiting their land and massacring a ton of Jews. The occupying king hated the Jews and their religion. He ordered Jewish religious law banned, and what's more, he entered the temple, the, the temple, the very heart of Judaism. That place where God and his people meet, he, he entered that place and he tore down the altar and he erected a, uh, an altar to the god Zeus, right there in Jerusalem. And then, what's more, he paraded pigs, which in Judaism were an unclean animal. He paraded pigs into the temple and he had the pigs sacrificed in the Jewish temple to Yahweh. He had those pigs slaughtered, sacrificed to the God Yahweh. What were the Jews to do? A man rose up, an anointed one. Some thought he must be the Messiah. 
He gathered a following, and with sword in hand, he went to battle against the occupying army. He and his little band of rebels, what did they do? They actually liberated Jerusalem. He then marched in, and he cleansed the temple, throwing out all that defied it, defiled it, tearing down the altar to, do, to Zeus, and consecrating it once again to Yahweh. The people cheered. They went nuts. They danced in the streets. Their deliverer, the anointed one, he had come. And when their conquering hero rode into town, what did they do? They took off their cloaks and they laid them down on the road. And they went down and cut cut down palm branches and they waved them in the air. And, And they called out from the Psalms, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Anyone want to guess the name of this hero? Starts with a J. <laughs> Judas Maccabeus. <laughs> Judas Maccabeus uh, died around 160 BC. He was a warrior hero. He was everything the people wanted. He lived by the sword and he died by the sword. Hmm. If you would have been there, would you have cheered? Judas Maccabeus. I would have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he drove out the enemy. He would have been worth me cutting down a palm branch and waving it in the air. I would have taken off my cloak and I would have laid it down. Because I love a hero. Everyone loves a hero, don't you? And we really love warrior heroes. Hmm. Fast forward about 190 years, tell you the story of another parade. It too happened in Jerusalem a couple thousand years ago. Jerusalem at the time, again, was an occupied city. This parade was led by another Jewish man, a rabbi, a teacher, rumored by many to be the deliverer, the conquering hero, maybe one like Judas Maccabeus. Some even said he might be the chosen one, the Messiah, the one who would deliver God's people once and all. From their oppressors. And this hero, he had better credentials than Judas Maccabeus. Case in point, the day before in Bethany, it was said he raised a man named Lazarus from the dead. And so anticipation is in the air on this particular Sunday. The time had come, the kingdom of God was at hand. People were saying, people were believing. On this day, Jerusalem, of course, was, was packed. You know, visitors entering in, waiting to celebrate the Passover festival that week. If this rabbi ever wanted to make a statement about who he was, now was the time. And if we look at what one of his disciples, a gentleman named Matthew, wrote, we could see that he was actually a bit heavy-handed in trying to say who he was. Let me show you what I mean. In Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, There's a prophecy of the coming Messiah. Now, Zechariah was a prophet who lived over 400 years before the birth of Jesus. And people had thought of Zechariah's prophecy as, this is kind of what it's going to be like when the Messiah comes. Zechariah wrote, Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So this particular person, this Jesus, he knew of that prophecy. Matthew tells us 
In Matthew 21, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, very purposeful, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her, by, with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say, the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. Matthew then says, this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter Zion, see, your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. So no bones about it. This rabbi, who throughout his whole ministry really pretty much walked everywhere, he wasn't going to get on a donkey and ride into Jerusalem because he was tired. He was being very purposeful. I'm going to ride into donkey Ride into, I'm going to ride into Jerusalem just like Zechariah prophesied. And put yourself in the place of the parade goers, right? You know, there's a rabbi rumored to be healing people, raising people from the dead. He is said to teach with an authority unlike any of the other religious leaders. And here he comes down the road on a donkey riding into Jerusalem just like the prophet said he would. What would you do? Ha! We'd cheer, right? We'd go nuts. I mean, it's liberation time. The time has come. And so just like your great-grandparents did for Judas Maccabeus, you do right now. You take off your coat. You lie it on the road. You go, you, put, you cut down some palm branches. You wave them in the air. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's happening. The kingdom of God has come. And what's this deliverer do once he comes into Jerusalem? Oh, bang! He clears out the temple. Judas Maccabeus cleansed out the temple too. Matthew 21, Jesus entered the temple courts, drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Way to go, Jesus. Give them Heck. So what do the people do? Well, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. Whew. But when the chief priests and the teachers of the law saw the wonderful things he did and the children shouting in the temple courts, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. Hmm. Would you have cheered at this parade? Come on, Jesus, fight the power. Hmm. The people had it right. This rabbi, Jesus, riding into town on a donkey had to be the king of kings, and he came to conquer. Absolutely. But we should be warned, because five days later, of course, this parade doesn't lead where we thought it would lead. Third parade. This parade began with cheering too. But people were, of course, not shouting Hosanna. They were shouting, crucify him. Crucify him, crucify him. Interesting. No one wanted to cheer the suffering servant king. They cheered for the warrior king, absolutely. They cheered for the one they thought would wipe out their oppressors, but no one wanted a suffering servant king. No one laid down their cloak. 
No one cut down any palm branches in this parade. Jesus had moved too far outside of their box, too far outside of their assumptions what their king should be like, too far outside of their assumptions what God is like. Those who call themselves Christians, Christ ones, behold, here is your king. Are you comfortable with this type of king? What kind of king, as you think through your week, your last year, the weeks to come, what kind of king do you want to cheer? Are you looking for a warrior king who will kill our enemies? Are you looking for a political king who will clean up the government? Or maybe if you can't clean up the government, maybe just make it hum, make the economy hum. Maybe you're looking for a Sunday morning king, someone whose uh, demands are only that you come and sit in a church service once a week. It's all fine, of course. The issue, though, is the Jesus parade does not lead down any of those routes, does it? Jesus' parade only leads to a cross. And Jesus isn't calling us to sit on the sidewalk in our lawn chair with our water cooler. He's actually calling us to follow in His footsteps. Jesus said to His disciples, whoever wants to be My disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever wants to be my disciple. What's a disciple? A disciple is a learner, an apprentice, a follower. Hmm. Here at Faith we say we have one job, really, and that is to make disciples of Jesus make apprentices of that person. If so, if you want to be a disciple, are you willing to say, even though it seems counterintuitive, even though it doesn't seem like the way the other kings lead, I'm going to not trust in my thinking. I'm going to trust in God's thinking. I'm not going to trust in the path that I've sought to lay out for myself. I'm going to move upstream, maybe. <laughs> I'm going to move in the direction of the suffering servant king who gave his life in a thy will be done attitude for God, for others. Are you willing to head down that parade? Are you willing to join that parade? And what I'd like to do is, you know, we've talked about you two. You can disregard all that. <laughs> we've talked about these three parades. I'm wondering, is there one thing from this time that I've been talking that resonates with you? 
that's kind of ringing in your ears, maybe something God is shining a light on? And if so, what is God inviting you to do? What is he inviting you to change or maybe pray about? I can't answer that question for you. But I'd like you to consider it as you move through this week. That question is in your sermon notes. It's the only question I put in there this week. What is God inviting you to do, change, or pray about, especially as we head into Holy Week? This week, as we seek to follow Jesus toward Resurrection Sunday. Is there some part of, of your life that you've been, you're allowing to sit on the sidelines and not bring into the Jesus parade? I don't know. If so, can you trust that he truly is good? He is trustworthy. And his way actually is the most joy-filled way. That's not there anymore. And I know the cross, it doesn't make sense. But the scriptures say that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Is it possible that there is a deeper joy that is possible in the life where we pick up our cross? Is it possible that we will actually find our lives when we lose our lives? Paul says, for I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Is it possible that's where real living starts? I'd like, to, I'd like all of us to say a prayer today. And if you don't want to say this prayer, it's totally fine. We're going to say it out loud. If you don't want to say it, you can just be silent. Totally okay. I'm grateful you were here. But maybe this is a prayer that you say for the first time, or maybe this is just a prayer you need to be reminded of. Is this, this is the trajectory of your heart. But let's pray this as the closing prayer of this message. We're going to pray one more time before we go, but let's end this time uh, before we head into Q&A with this. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I want the life you alone can give. Come and be my king. Cleanse me of my sins. Forgive me for my selfish ambition. I want my life to be marked by you. I want to follow in your footsteps, living, loving, and serving those around me. May your kingdom come. May your will be done in my life and on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Thank you. I'm going to invite Tone up. Uh, and we're going to do some Q&A. If you're new to Faith Covenant Church and uh, this is new to you, we, we do this quite often. I always reserve the right to be wrong. Uh, I like this because this gives us an opportunity to, um, one, uh, wrestle with something that maybe I wasn't clear on in the message. It also is helpful to, to realize that we, we kind of do this together. This isn't just expert speaking to non-experts. Uh, you've got a lot of people here smarter than me. So. Okay, I've got one. All right. 
When we are told Jesus was the first to ride from the, rise from the dead, why are we told that Jesus and his disciples raised others from the dead before Jesus' resurrection? That's a great really good question. We're actually uh, next week going to be looking at uh, Lazarus and Jesus, uh, both risen from the dead. The difference is, uh, f- again, wh- wh- where, where, what's our source material? Okay. Because um, people come to me all the time and they're like, Pastor, I have this question, I have this question. My responsibility, our responsibility is uh, we have to go, what, you know, what do the scriptures say? We're, we're a people born out of, out of a particular book, the Holy Bible, a collection of 66 sacred books uh, given to us by God, we would say. So, um, what, do the te- what does the text say? Well, we know this. Um, Jesus was raised from the dead and never died. Lazarus was raised from the dead and died, and then will be resurrected uh, at the return of Christ. That's my quick answer. We're gonna talk more about that next week, but again, if you're like, okay, time out. Really, that's about all I can give you, because that's what we know from from the scriptures. There's nothing to say that the the people Jesus raised from the dead uh, never died again. the, the, the text, though, says that Jesus moved on to, into eternal life in his resurrected body, and uh, though he died, now lives. Okay? That's as clear as mud. <laughs> I did my best. No, that's good. Okay, so practically speaking, what does it mean or look like to take up my cross? That's a great I question. I that a lot. Um, yeah, so here's... I'll put it two different ways. Um, the, the simplest way is, to, is the thy will be done life, okay? So God has called you, you know, God called, the, the Father called the Son uh, to endure the cross, um, take on the sins of humanity uh, so we can be saved from our sins, okay? So the Father calls the Son, the Son takes up the cross and does that. The father, the, the father has called you um, to follow Christ, okay? No matter where that takes you. You know, we have people in this room who've been all over the world, world um, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. They've been in harm's way. Um, that's part, that yes, yes, Lord, thy will be done. That is the, the most active way, I say, I think, of taking up your cross, what is God's call for you saying yes to that? That's picking up your cross. I think there's another part of it, which is what is it that has come upon you? And this also goes to the cross, the Jesus cross as well. What has come upon you that you wish maybe wasn't <laughs> from the Father? You know, Jesus is, is in the garden. He's, he's sweating blood and he is longing for this cup, the cross, to be taken from him. So all of us, at, at times in our life, have things that are kind of inflicted upon, upon us, and we're like, take this cup from me, Lord. I don't want this cup. This is not the one. I, you know, this wasn't in the brochure when I signed up for Christianity. Uh, and, and I think that acceptance of, but I will receive this and still follow you, even though I may not understand it, even though it's painful, even though it, it, it breaks my heart in grief or it breaks my literal body, um, I will 
continue to follow and trust in you even though I'm enduring this particular cross. So I, th- I think it's those two things. Um, it's um, saying yes to God's call and still saying yes when life uh, brings you a cross. Yeah? How about one more? Yes. Okay. So you talked about losing your life, right? So can you explain what losing your life means within this context of yeah. this message? Yeah. So... Um, I think that that goes with what we were just saying. That, I'll, I'll give you my experience. Um, I had a, a mentor of mine when I was in college give me that verse that I, I mentioned. It's Galatians 2.20. It's the strangest verse. It sounds horrible, and it sounds like this would not be good at all. <laughs> uh, uh, For I have been crucified with Christ. Well, that, that just sounds horrible. <laughs> And I no longer live. Oh my goodness, I've been trying to self-actuate myself all these years, and now you're saying, <laughs> if, if I follow the Jesus stuff, I'm going to be crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live, so this life I'm living in this now me, this, I live by faith, I trust in, I depend upon Jesus. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So to lose your life, and Jesus said, you know, if, if you lose your life for my sake, you'll find it. To, to say, God, it's, I'm getting it now. Lord, it's not about me. <laughs> and it's about you. Everything has been created by you and through you and for you. I'm, I'm going to receive that with gratitude, and I'm going to be okay with it not being about me anymore. And I'm going to be a person, I'm going to try to follow Jesus and uh, wherever he leads, and even though my enemies really hurt me, I'm going to still love them. And even though uh, this life is, is not always easy, you've called me to, I'm going to continue to follow it because I've found the great joy of being crucified with Christ, and I, don't know, I no longer live. Is it possible that there is joy in discovering it's not about you anymore. It is about the one who gave himself for you. It is about the one who created you. It is about the one with whom, in whom you will discover who you truly are. Is that possible? I think it is. In fact, I know it is. Um, and we have all kinds of people who've been following Jesus much longer than I have in this room, and, and I, I see the smiles, and, and they're going, yeah, it's true, Brad. So if, if you're thinking, this is completely foreign, I think this guy's totally bunk, talk to one of them. <laughs> you, you don't have to listen to me, talk to one of them. There's some wonderful older saints in the room who, who will be like, absolutely. Uh, the real joy is losing yourself in him. Thanks, Tone. Um, we're going to be done here. If you have questions about this stuff, if you're maybe a skeptic, or maybe you're new to Christianity, or maybe your faith just needs a jump start, we have something we're launching the Wednesday after Easter called Alpha. You get a free dinner, and you, it's, a, it's a multi-week journey where you can investigate and ask questions.
about Christianity. I'd love to have you come to Alpha, free dinner. Uh, you can register for Alpha online at the Faith Covenant website. We'll have people down front here after the service who would love to pray for you if you have something on your heart. Uh, Jill and I will be at uh, the welcome table if you have something you want to share or if you, maybe you said that, that prayer today and that was the first time you ever said something like